Today we're at the beautiful Mountain Arts Center in Prestonsburg, Kentucky, and I've got my good friend Nicholas Jamerson here with me. Nicholas, man, what's been going on? He's dad. New dad, old dad sitting across from yeah. me. How, how's that been? You know, I, I know it's your first. Yeah. Uh, Life changing experience, right? For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, you know, I have nothing to compare it to, uh, but. Sleeping pretty good, and um, she likes music and being outside, so. Kind of like her dad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so we're getting along great. Um, man, I mean, how's it, so you had the baby during the COVID, and, and I did too, you know, a little bit earlier. But, um, mm-hmm. How was that? I mean, how did you stay busy at pre-baby with COVID, you know, being on the road so much and performing as you do, and then having the baby during COVID and, now we're we're kind of opening up a little bit, but how how was that experience for you? Um, it's it's really it was a lot of it was a lot of different things, you know. Um, at first, thinking that everybody might die, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then like, well, we're gonna have a baby. Are we? Are we? Is this irresponsible? Not that we ever planned on not having her, but but just like bringing her into a world where we didn't really know what it was going to look like, you know, it was. But, um, you know, ultimately, I feel like it brought us closer together, me and Emily, and um, to God, and just faith, our faith, and uh, just being grounded in um, in that, and kind of had to give up the reins a little bit, you know. I think that. For a long time, it was. Uh, I, I felt like I was in control, and uh, you know, I've always wanted to be. My, I've always been my own boss. I've, 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 uh, you know, booking shows. It's like that. That it was like I, I could control my own security, or I could control my, my, my destiny, basically. And then twenty twenty came along. Was just like. No, bud. <laughs> you you ain't in control. So um, it was just a lot of surrenders of the unknown, and I I really had to look at myself in the mirror with a lot of a lot of things, you know. Because as much joy as performing is and running running the roads, it was a lot of distraction. I think for just. Um, old hurts I think just uh, and just anxiety and it's kind of feeler you know so it was very humbling the whole and, and you know and, and then and the gravity of a kid and trying to be like just it's something happens chemically within us you know it's like I'm not even like trying to be an, an, a perfect person Per se, I'm just trying to be the best I can be now, and uh, so 
it's a, it's just a lot of it was just a lot of letting letting preconceived notions go and just more arriving to th- you know day 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 by day and uh, it's easy it's easier said than done absolutely you know I remember talking to you before COVID maybe right when you found out and, and you know occasionally I'll call just just to talk to you because you're very intelligent and I always thought you're you're very uh, deep thinker. You make me think because mm. uh, I just talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you you told me, and I, I told my buddy Rod Davis this. He just had a, a new baby to his first. <clears throat> and um, I said, look, uh, you can ask me what it's like, and I'll never be able to explain until you hold that baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm guessing you would agree, and, and Waylon's in here with us again. He could agree. It's an undescribable Situations that probably wasn't a fair question to ask, but it, it is. It's hard to explain unless you've done it. Yeah, it really is. Um, one thing that I experienced through the whole thing was um, sympathetic. Yeah, what I read was like sympathetic uh, symptoms. So I was like, feel, I, like Emily was never um, really sick, but I got really sick. I was having morning sickness and. I didn't. I never put it together. But then my dad was over, and he was like, "Man, I was so sick when your mom was pregnant with you." I was like, "Really?" <laughs> I was like, "I didn't even know that was a thing." And then you, 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 you know, get on Google, the Google box, and there's all kinds of cases where people are the 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 husband or the you know significant other is like uh, having all these like pre-birth kind of symptoms, and I was like. So I net that you know it's like, like a molecular chem like it's and it's a it just changes you chemically you can't even like you can't I can't like you said you can't even explain yeah. it till you get there so and, and you know I, I think of it sometimes as um, we in the we live a very unique lifestyle all of us in this room and the general public sometimes don't understand mm-hmm. um, but our sinful nature is to be a little selfish sometimes. And until that child arrives, you you understand I'm living for her or him now, yeah. and not yourself as what you uh-huh. did. But but because we don't realize it until it happens, and I just think that's their sinful nature by creation. Yeah, um, and I think I think also out of kind of necessity, I think that's what I found was like uh, survival. I was in like the survival mode, fight or flight, you know, and. Uh, that's another thing of trying to get out of that mode, even with her, is like, you know, like we're always on guard. Yeah. Like something like you're all, like something's about to happen all the time. And, you know, if you don't dissipate that energy, it's like, it's anxiety. That's, that's all that other stuff I'm talking about, you know? So, um, it's been a whole shift of consciousness, you know, just an awareness and, perspective and everything so it's um but it's awesome yeah. you know it's really the greatest gift ever and i'm trying just in life to be peaceful within myself and she's a, she's a test man you know it's like they're they're tests for yeah it's not easy no it's not <laughs> and and they're just like i think that with Maven, I feel like she just she put she know she's like she knows what buttons to push already. <laughs> yeah, just wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah just wait till she starts talking. That's what yeah. we've been like. You know, I, I can't. I don't know what it's going to be like when she starts saying words. Yeah, you know, but it's a uh, 
Well, you know, me and Waylon knows because we're good at having babies. <laughs> <laughs> and and you'll do great because uh, my experiences with you, being around you, talking to you, you're a good dude, and you you always mean the best. And people that always mean the best don't mean they always do the best, right. but, but they're trying their best. Yeah. And and you always do that. Um, before before we kind of get digging into uh, Nicholas Jamerson, the artist, and Sunday Best, and all the other things that we're going to talk about, <clears throat> uh, it's time for Tim's little cooler session here. Um, Waylon is my uh, bartender, and, and I love I love making him my little bee. <laughs> but in my little cooler, I've got some uh, high lifes. I've got some Perrier sparkling water and there's some Cumberland Gap water out of Middlesbrough. I'm trying to get some sponsorships here yeah. while I'm chewing Copenhagen. I'm going to have one of those high lifes, Waylon, um, if you don't mind. And Nicholas, you get what you want. That's the champagne of beers, right? Champagne. Champagne. I'll, I'll take one of those and I will also untap the gap. Oh, oh that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Cumberland Gap? Yeah. I'm hoping those are, those are cold because I put two in there. It was kind of well, yeah, they're cold. Yeah. So I want to tell a story before we get going about um, how I actually first met you. Um, and and you don't remember this, but uh, I think it's a cool story for this podcast. When when I was younger, I think I graduated high school in about '01, and I was coaching basketball and, and doing that scene. And every year, we loved Redmonds. You know where I'm going with this. So me and my brothers or my ex-wife, we, we would all travel down reservist tables, especially when Larry Redman's playing there. I thought Larry Redman had one of the best live shows that goes underrated in this oh, yeah. day. I don't, I'm not even sure how many people know Larry Redman anymore. There's a lot more than – there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, but it's just – it's a generation of people that – yeah. But he was he was so good. He'd have the flag come down at the last. Do you remember it, Waylon? And all? it was great. But when he kind of quit, he went to Florida and kind of got a different bar. And then I guess you guys are doing a residency there. And I'd watched. I can remember watching the Cajon for the first time in my life and just drinking, hanging out with buddies. We didn't really pay attention to you guys, and but we just say, "Man, what's in that box? Is that like chains and guitar strings? And what what in the world? This is cool, but let's hang out." We were the bar crowd that you had to sell beer to. Mm-hmm. We've had that talk before, so we wasn't really listening to the music. Fast forward a year later, maybe from the last time I saw you there to the state tournament, all the coaches, we pile up, we're going to Redmond's. And man, they were lined out the door. And I was like, who in the what? Like, who's here tonight? And then, <laughs> and, then it's a, and some dude had to say it. He said, Sunday best, by God. <laughs> and I was like, who's that? So we finally get in, and it's you guys. And then it, it got my attention. I'm like, how did they put this many people? Because I just saw them a year ago or six, whatever it was. And, and it was not that packed, but it was kind of packed. So in this small period of time, you guys have created a fan base at that small bar or it was just magical in there. Oh, yeah. And I remember after the show, I, I waited on you one night, and, um, and or both of you guys, and I was like, man, this is amazing. And that was the first time meeting, you know, since then we've done shows and we've, you know, got to do some stuff. But but you got any, like, fond memories of, of Redmond's and how that kind of took off, or was it just organic, or what happened there? I mean, that was such a thrill. I was like you. I, I went and watched Larry... Thursdays and Saturdays and um, Kenny Owens on Friday. Like I, I was, I went to school in Eastern Kentucky, so um, Potwell College, and but 
I had a lot of friends in Lexington, and that's like where my buddies took me. That was like the first bar I ever went to in Lexington, and whew, I just it was it was like I felt like I made it by playing there because being a kid that was trying to just find my way in the in the music uh, world. Um, that was like just a big that was a big influence I was like there, there wasn't a lot of people I mean people have always been playing music but I mean in eastern Kentucky at that time there wasn't like Marlowe's had closed down <laughs> Marlowe's yeah you know you had the Mark II and Pottwell and Champs you know Champs and Pottwell that's you know that was where I got my start and um, but yeah, I mean the whole experience at Redmond's was just a thrill to me, and and when we started play, like Lexington in general was just like you know that's the big city that's yeah. like where people go in Eastern Kentucky that's where I went like feeling like I was making a big move, and we started out playing patios there you know we started playing at BD's Mongolian Grill on Tuesday nights and uh, Hooters on Thursdays and it was really weird because. I um not weird. It was just it all I felt like the stars kind of aligned for us and we just kinda hit there right at the, the 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 right time. Um Lexington wasn't really it wasn't like it wasn't what it is now. You know, the original music scene, it was a cover town and, and we we had a lot of people turn us away because we weren't a full band. Tin Roof, there was like a war with Tin Roof. I don't mind saying that now. <laughs> yeah. But it was like, we we wanted to play there because that's where all the girls were. You know, it was an easy, we were just like, we just got to get in here. And, but they, they wouldn't, it was like a rivalry. And uh, Larry, I think he was kind of at his, he was just looking for something because he, he was done doing it, you know, two, two times a week. And I was selling cable at, uh, Insight, it's like it's been. I don't know how many things to send. Like Time Warner, yeah. selling cable and telephone. Now it's like Spectrum or something. Yeah, yeah, it's changed so many times since then. But I made it ninety days. I was like, this, you know, like <laughs> I, I knew the first day that I wasn't. I, I, this ain't gonna be my thing. Banging on doors and aggravating people to spend more money. But uh, it was like I came. I quit the week later. Larry called Chris and was like, "Hey, you know, what are y'all what are y'all up to and can you be here Thursday?" And he was like, "We need a name. You got you know, what's the name?" Cuz by at that point we were just like it's Nick Nick and Chris, Nick Jamerson, Chris Bentley. We we tossed around the the idea of Floco. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Was a great. I thought people from Floyd County would love that. It's, it's this clever play on words, I guess. And there's a there's a actually a Floco in Pineville. There I is. Think. Yeah, it's a little restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've that, been there. That's like what gave me the idea because I I spent four days there, the end of my college career, like uh, for a Mountain Laurel. I escorted one of my friends. And, yeah. Uh, Sunday Best was born, you know, like that. Like we tossed around a couple ideas, and I was like, "What about Sunday Best?" And uh, that 
was the one we stuck on. I think Kentucky Gentleman might have been one that we we thought about too. But Larry it's was kind like, of been like a bluegrass band. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. <clears throat> so uh, that's a very interesting story. But because just, I saw it in a, in a brief period of time, and and what I did love about you guys is your vocals wouldn't like the Austin City. John Michael Montgomery country vocal guy. Mm-hmm. Chris was so unique just beating that box. Yeah. And you had really catchy riffs like you know one of the things about your songs is just these hooks. And and I'm a very primitive guitar player but I'm always like man I don't know how hard this is but Nicholas always has these hooks and you you would capture that and then your vocals I mean and I'll say like one of my friends last night made a Facebook post and he said I know Chris Stapleton and all these guys are from Kentucky but Nicholas Jamerson's the best by hell uh, and he got he got a little flack and he had like five people that would say yeah actually he is <laughs> but because at that point you know if the listeners are thinking back at I don't know what year that would have been early 2000s possibly maybe 2000 it was two, like Redmond's yeah 2000 10, somewhere 2010 2011 yeah so back, back then that those vocals was different and credit to you for sticking to your guns and that's kind of who you are anyway mm-hmm. you've always been that guy that says I'm going to be Nicholas and and I always appreciated that you know so let's move into uh, Nicholas Jamerson kind of the man you know um, go, let's go back to childhood because I kind of know uh, a little bit but for our listeners, um, growing up as a child here in Prestonsburg, Kentucky, Floyd County, was 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 music a big part of your life as a young man, as a young child, or was you from a musical family, or how 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 was it as a child? Yeah, I mean, I was I was immersed in it from my earliest memories. Um, both sides of my family, um, my my dad's side, um, my grand my grandparents, my great aunt. They would have these get-togethers on the weekends, usually, uh, or surrounding holidays, and people just come sit in the living room and they they just play, wow. um, like jam sessions. Jam sessions, like old old traditional songs, and they had songbooks that they played out of, and but they they'd been playing for forever, and um, my family doctor, he was he played fiddle there. And, They'd always say, now, when Doc, the more Budweiser's Doc Martin drinks, the, the louder he plays and the more out of tune he gets. I'm trying to tune you down. family piano from the boarding house up the road from the New York company Rudolph with two fresh bullet holes where Mary learned to sing on her hymnals Virginia danced her jigs Shorty he'd tune up a banjo while Julie fed so I was and then, and then on my mom's side, my mom is a piano player and singer, and she played saxophone in the church band, and she's the one who really, well, her and my dad's dad, my grandbud, she, I feel like those are my like my two biggest uh, 
they're the ones who got me into it. You know, my, my grandmother was really encouraging with guitar. Like she bought me my first guitar and um You remember what age? Uh <clears throat> 13. Wow. 13. Right around that middle school year. Yeah, 7th, 8th grade. And then I, I played, I played piano. My mom put me in piano lessons, but I was a big sports guy, honestly. My dad was a coach, and my my grandfather, I was thinking about this the other day, my grandfather played at the University of Kentucky under Bear Bryant. So I feel like I'm kind of in the lineage of Bear Bryant as far as, like there's outside of music, like I've been a coach too and been coached by by coaches and uh, there was just more of a, a of a stage for that for sports besides church and church I just I, I loved it but I felt like I was limited I felt I felt like there I had to sing the songs I was told to sing and um, which that changed too my dad was the uh, youth he, he was like a youth teacher at church and uh, he was getting all this new contemporary Christian music from like the mid 90s and that was a big influence on my music uh, Third Day uh, oh yeah they were that was really like cause I was that's where I was singing was in church so Third Day was my jam then and uh, but again Church was just as a kid. I I don't know. I, I I'm not gonna say that I didn't love church or like church, but it just it wasn't scratching that itch for me like sports did. So I was pretty <laughs> kind of in the closet with my music up until I got to college. Really, I was just a sports guy, football yeah. in particular. And that, that's what I was gonna ask because you know being a former athlete too, and I knew you were, and you were a good one. Because in, in a lot of and it, it's not uncommon uh, because in Eastern Kentucky, Kentucky basketball, whatever, it's important here. Yeah, still is. Yeah. Um, and so I knew, and I, that that was my next question, which you kind of answered it like because sports takes a lot of time away yeah. from your craft, and I'm guessing it did you also for a while. You know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was still I quit a piano. I I just. I got to the point. I, I actually took one lesson here. I took it for five, taken lessons for five years. I took my first lesson here under a guy by the name of Chris Lafferty, who was in the the Kentucky Opera here, one of the I guess founding members probably. Um, and I just was kind of backwards, man. He was just like he was just an open book, you know, and just could play all over. And I, I just feel like I got intimidated and quit, but. Uh, and then, and then I was just like really into football. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, I was really good, and and that was just where all my energy was going. And I was like trying to, I wanted to play in the NFL. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And uh, I ended up getting a chance to try out. For, I, I worked out for the Lions when I was in college, and not many people know that going to Pottwell, but you know, I, I played football there, and that's that. But that. By 17, 18, I was kind of transitioning out of, out of football, like as far as where my heart was. Um, I had a really good junior year. We went to state my sophomore year, started all state my junior year, and I kind of was just like, man, 
I don't know. I just kind of <laughs> done what I could do, you know. And yeah. and and that's when I was in honor choir. Um, that was like I feel like kept me in touch with singing. It was just like show choir, basically, yeah. where we'd um, we'd do formal stuff and then we'd put on shows like variety shows and uh that kind of kept me in touch with it but then i i got to college and had a chance to play at the university of kentucky didn't go um just wasn't wasn't there uh, mentally emotionally just and came back here worked on a strip job for a little bit uh surveying coal pits and a winner of that will put you, will give you a little more motivation to get back there in school, you know? Yeah. That, that actually segues me into the next question I have perfectly because I have wrote down, when did you know? Like, when did you know this was what you wanted to yeah. do? So I um, went to Pikeville, uh, University of Pikeville, played uh, football there. And my head coach, by the name of Jerry Monnet, he... Um, he saw me in the spring. No, it was a fall talent show. I played. <laughs> I wasn't even really good enough. Like I was just singing. I wasn't there really guitar to be playing in front of people. And my buddy uh, Brad Marshall, we played the talent show, and it was here without you, three doors down. Oh wow! Yeah, that shocks me. Yeah, three doors down. And then the next semester, I did. Uh, I. I was feeling I was confident enough with guitar I played uh, all I can do is write it in a song <laughs> Skinner. Skinner. Um but after that first talent show Jerry was like man you got something he's a song and he's a songwriter I didn't know this up to that point I was like having all these like regrets for not going to UK that was like childhood dream you know and that following summer he left he left Pikeville and I was just trying to play as much as I could. And we went to Johnson. He, he got me a gig in Johnson City at, at uh, this place called Newman's. It's a big, uh, it's it's a huge pool hall. Uh, it was during the Blue Plum Festival. And uh, apparently it was a place like Kenny Chesney did his thing when he was at ETSU in, in Johnson City. But... I met a guy by the name of Alan Cormier. I've I've talked about him my whole my whole career really. Uh, songwriter from Johnson City, and then a guy by the name of Roger Allen Wade. <laughs> I'm sure you know. If you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what I had pretty much known of him of 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 uh, Roger. But I spent like two days down there, two or three days down there, just kind of bouncing around with them from place to place. Uh, and I was in a hotel. I was in a red, like a Red Roof Inn in Johnson City, and I, I'm in this hotel room, and they're just going back and forth telling stories. And Roger Allen Wade, he's got a, I mean, he's a troubadour. Like he's he's the he wrote songs for Hank Williams Jr. You know, yeah, he's he, just not the comedy guy that we know him no, as. No, he's yeah. really not. He's yeah. a lot more than that. And, you know, he, he's <clears throat> made his fame, I think, through those and being Johnny Knoxville's cousin and all that stuff. But, man, he's got a – he's he's right up there for me as songwriters go um, in that vein. You know, I feel like Christopherson, Haggard, 
like that kind of stuff, he he's up there. And I came back from that trip, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Oh, wow. They were just like, because I'd never really been around songwriters. I'd been around like prolific musicians. Growing up here in, Pre- in Floyd County, like the Mountain Arts Center and the Kentucky Opry, I mean, I went. I I grew up with uh, Corey Caldwell. I don't know if you know Corey. He he's a virtuoso piano player. Um, plays with Justin Moore. Has been since day one. But but I just thought people were kind of born with it, and I think that discouraged me for a long time for like feeling like I didn't have it because that wasn't me. When in reality, it was just because I didn't. I hadn't put in you know the time. I've been playing football yeah. or basketball or whatever, but I met these guys, these you know these two these two guys, and they were just so prolific. And I just think, I think that's what it takes with humans is just like we just have to see it. If we see it, we can kind of process it, and even if it's just like subconscious, you know, you know, it's like just it's real. I think also growing up thinking songwriters were just like Tom Petty, the Eagles. It was, it was unreachable. That's not me. You know, that's... And they just made it real for me. And I was pretty much done after that as far as school goes. And uh, I, I wanted... From from that from that trip, I was like... I just had the bug. Started writing songs. I'd, I'd written some songs, but... Like, it really lit a fire under my ass to... That bug bit you in the it, ass. It did. It did hard. And I mean, I was ready to move to Johnson City because it was just so, it was so much different than here. It, it was like, it just felt supported and people were participating and and these were two guys that were playing their own songs too. It wasn't just cover gigs. So uh, I took that attitude back to Pikeville and that's when I started playing there. Um pretty regularly starting to write songs and I mean I wrote songs there that I'm still playing wow my friends and me yeah. I wrote uh, Summit City Slowdown uh, Nameless well it's called So Sorry Girl that was on like the second Sunday Best record and, um, you know it, it's it's funny it, it, I, and I'm glad you, you told that because I was on a wire about Roger Allen Way I knew he wrote some songs and I, but you know we all remember from Jackass yeah and um, I had no idea you went on a run with him. Yeah. And uh, I know there's probably some people know that, but I'm guessing the listener, um, your boy Nicholas, kind of cut his teeth with uh, Rob, uh, Robert, I mean, uh, Robert Allen Wade. Roger, Dude, that's a Roger. really, what is it? Roger. Roger. Um, I'm thinking Robert Earl Keane yeah. all the time. Because, <laughs> They're all serial killers. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a huge Robert Earl Keane guru. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so I was familiar with him from the comedy stuff. But in my eyes, you are, uh, and I think now, I think you're underrated now because you put so much good stuff out over the years that people just expect it now. And I think that's really hard being a songwriter to just keep busting them out, you know, because you've done this for, I mean, I, I mean, I don't, how many years have you done this now? Well, I mean, professional, like full time, about 11 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you've, you've paid your dues. You, you were out there on the road, and good, good God, man, um, it's amazing. 
uh, that's an amazing story. Let, let me ask you real quick while we're going on, you know, still back kind of early days. I've always had, um, I've always loved the Jamerson family. And, you know, and, and I didn't realize it until after, I guess, the Sunday best thing stopped for the first time. It's, you know, like Emily and um, Clay and Joby, and now especially Joby. Good God, but like all of them are super talented in their own right. It's like your family, um, and, and they definitely don't get enough credit because you've kind of been, it ain't your fault, but you've kind of been out there on the road doing your thing, traveling, touring all over the country when Sunday Best first went. Um, but was was they kind of, was they ever thinking about, I know Clay gigs some, and I know Joby gigs when he wants, and I know you did the Jamerson, <laughs> the Jamerson thing, but like, they're all like really prolific musicians. Yeah, they are. Um, they're, they're all great songwriters. Yeah. Um, and singers. Uh, I think they're just waiting for the big stage is what I think. That's yeah. what I keep saying. With It's like they only play the big stages. So <laughs> I I've, I feel like, um, you know, we were kind of spread out in age growing up. Maybe my sister weren't, but as far as a unit – we were just kind of spread out. Me and Joseph, you know, we're eight years apart. Um, I tell you, it's funny you say that. I, I've there's there's been many times that I'm just like, I, I want to do this. Let's let's give this a try. Um, but it's hard. It's just yeah. it's just hard when people have got their own lives, and it's different doing it for enjoyment than like doing it for a job. Amen. I agree. You know, yeah. and that's not for everybody. And I I respect that. And I but that's been a hard thing for me to to accept with them because I feel like they are all so good and there is so much potential there and it's it's we're a unit. Yeah. You know, when there's the four of us, it can't be duplicated. It's just like we're the we're the Power Rangers. You know, but but um, I'm still holding out. Yeah, you know, we're, we're still young, and it's it's one of those things where even with us being siblings, you still got to put that time into it. You know, no matter what the 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 blood harmony is there, but I feel like we've just we've been working on it. Yeah, you yeah. know, and and Joby, we we his. I think his probably life philosophy is probably closest to mine as far as freedom and being your own boss. And, you know, that's, again, that's not for everybody. Yeah. I, I get that. But, um, we're, we're, we're laying the foundation, I feel like, for, for future stuff. So, absolutely, man. That, yeah. Just, just to say you guys are all great. And I had to give you a shout on that. Thank you. My parents are proud. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's fast forward to college is done. You knew this is what you wanted to do. Was it just Nicholas Jamerson gigging as a solo act at first? Was there other bands, or did you meet Christopher really soon after that? Um, well, Chris and I kind of grew up together. We we hung out. I met him when I was in eighth grade, and then we played two years of basketball together and then we were in a Christian rock group when I was a 
my first year at Pikeville, going into that year. But um, I started playing by myself in Pikeville. Like, I'd play Thursdays and Saturdays or Fridays, Saturdays at Champs, and I'd work there during the week just bussing and taking IDs. And uh, my buddy, Zach Lafferty, uh, we it was we we played a lot of gigs together, and that was it was a lot of Jaeger bombs, and <laughs> I mean that's that's like drinking. Like we'd get so tore up before it was just the dream for me at that point. Like in college, just they'd pay us in alcohol, and we're just getting people pumped. You know, uh, I did that for probably. We did that probably three years in college. And then when I graduated, uh, that's when I hit Chris up. I I was actually hitting him and his dad both up for some drums. And uh, Chris was like, well, I don't don't have any drums, but if you need a drummer. And so then he came into the picture, and we were a three-piece. And... I'll never forget we set up a PA in my dad's living room and jammed. Like, just got a 30 rack, uh, I don't know what, and just like <laughs> my dad, he went stay with his woman for, for the night. And and we're playing like, uh, it was some ACDC song. <laughs> what is that? Shook me all that long? Dumb, dumb, dumb. I'm playing. I'm singing every. <laughs> anyway, Rocky Mountain Way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I th- but yeah, that that is that night. Yeah. Yeah, because Waylon, it was like, was it you and James both? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was what you was. James so was you was there, Waylon? No. Yeah, oh my God! I never yeah, thought you'd go there. to a party. <laughs> yeah, we used to rock like we we are we've always been like interweaving in same circles. Yeah. Um, but that night, someone comes knocking on the door. You were there. I, I, yeah, at the house. That's right. You guys weren't, ans- weren't That's answering right. the door. That's right. I forgot. I, you were there. And I went and answered the door because everybody else was like, I ain't going. I forgot about that. Yeah. It was like, I'm not going to say who else was there. I don't want to incriminate anybody. <laughs> but, uh, but, okay, I'm thinking of... When the neighbors came with the little boy, with the little boy, we thought we were getting like in trouble. And the neighbors came, it's like three or four in the yeah, like three or four in the morning. And I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> and it was my neighbors, and they were like, yeah, we just wanted to listen. Oh, <laughs> we were like, okay, thank God. And uh, and that six year old boy got his first college party. Up. Yes, yeah, there was a bunch of us there, and my dad. I'm lucky that he still claims me and was supportive of that. But yeah, that was so. So we started doing that, and we we played down at Champs in Pikeville, and but that that rehearsal, Chris brought that cajon. That was the first time I'd ever seen one in person. There was a band called Boyce Avenue that used to uh, play covers on YouTube with them, and uh, that's the only other time I'd seen it, and. He just kind of got it to practice with. Um, and then, 
so we, we're we're like he's playing a full kit at the time Zach played lead guitar I played acoustic and we were kind of looking for a bass player it was just we were just throwing it together and seeing what happened and then we started playing in Lexington and we would do like half the set um, with the full kit with the uh, with the two guitar players and then we just went to the cajon and um it it just it just felt better it was just easy it was easier we were playing patios it was just and and zach was working on the pipeline so so like he couldn't be there during the, the week and i was transitioning between i had been working at enterprise in pikeville and i quit there and was just kind of waiting to start this job in Lexington, so I, I had the time. And so when it was just me and Chris, it was just like, well, like I said, it just sort of evolved into to the the cajon, especially when we had to like move into smaller spaces. It just made more sense. And um, so how far was it from there that it kind of transitioned into Redmond's? From what we talked about earlier, I mean, it happened really quick. We. <clears throat> I graduated in May, and that's when we had like really started playing. And then we got the gig at Redmond's in November. I moved to Lexington in like July of that year, and but it was a clean slate at Redmond's. We, um, like I said, that that early those early days of Redmond's with Larry. He was a big draw, you know. Thursday, Friday, Saturday was a big deal. Huge, yeah. And I think once he left, they had always they'd been kind of looking for for that next group, and we were just really hungry. And we felt, like I said before, we felt like we'd been slighted by people around town. So we were just like, okay, we're going to roll here. Like this is where we want to play, and we're not going to play anywhere else because. Fuck them. Yeah. Basically, that basically that was yeah. like kind of chip on your show. It was. Time. It yeah. was. It felt like. It felt like there was a, it was a click in Lexington, and I don't know how much of that was real and how much was just alcohol and just being young and and just kind of being an athlete and having that sort of competitive, competitive nature. nature. And even though I never felt like we were trying to be in playing those places, we were just kind of ignorant, you know, and just you know, small town too, just thinking that everybody's cool. Yeah. You know, or at least that cool. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, Lexington, they were like, they weren't even giving us the benefit of that. They were just like, you know, they were completely dismissing us because we weren't a band. We heard that a bunch, and um, so we were motivated. And there, and there were there were people. There was you know there was there was bands around town that shit talked. You know, and so that just that just made us really. And once once I quit. Once I quit my job and was full in on music, then Chris and I, were, we were living together, and it was like, it was on as far as music goes and writing songs, and um, and it was a transitional time in my life from being out of, out of Eastern Kentucky for the first time in my life and living in Lexington and trying to piece my life together, and I mean, Doors Out of Screen, that whole record was, you know... I want to go home. Yeah. It was real. That's how I felt. And I was, 
I'd finally gotten this point after college where it's like, I feel like the, the waves break and it's like, you graduate. It's like, now what? You know, it's like, I feel like we spend so much of our life trying to get, get somewhere, get, get, and then you get there and it's like, well, now what? <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, I want to talk about that a minute. So you go from, you know, now you and Chris was in the two piece thing, right? Yeah. You, you added the cajon, your buddies on the pipeline. So you're doing your thing and, and you're over there now with, with a, with a jackass like me paying attention at Redmond's finally. Because <laughs> it took you a while to get people. I mean, not not as yeah, much as some did. bands, but it, it took a while. It did. I mean, like I said, it was pretty – we were starting over at Redmond's. Yeah. So we had to build our crowd, and I mean, it was – it took some time. And so I guess my question will be about, you know, starting over, doing that. How do you, how do you determine what works at, at that point? Was it organic, or was it just a lot of homework that you did, or just effort? Just doing it, just being on stage. I think that's that was the biggest thing, was getting that stage time and – being on an actual stage with lights and feeling like you're putting on a show and there's you're you're entertaining like it's they the, you know it's like there is this culture in these clubs of like you are just selling beer but there's in Redmond's there's that space to put on a show and be interactive and that's what I learned from Larry and Kenny both being there was like their interaction with the crowd and um and we, we just, you know, we also, I wanted to play our own stuff too. Like that was important to me was like, well, if we're going to be different, then if we just play our own songs, then it's going to be different. It's going to be unique. And we just kind of jumped between covers and, and, and playing our own stuff and you remember this I gotta interject remember all the rap stuff you did in those still medleys? do it. still do it that was so cool and nobody that I know of I don't know if you stole it or if that was you out, but like no matter what bar you're in because it's specific kind of to the bar would yeah. you agree yeah that is the most cool thing because I'm not a rap guy but it's like they do this medley and so when I hear it I know the course yeah and then I'm kind of going you know, I'm I'm kind of jumping, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Nicholas, what are y'all doing? This is, but everybody is involved, uh-huh. and um, kudos to you for being able to put that together. Well, I'll tell you, I was a big soul R and B growing up. I loved that kind of singing, and I still feel like I'm probably more that style. I can see that. Um, I've learned, I've as I've got because I just didn't grow up being a country guy. My dad was a rock and roll guy um my mom disco and funk so um I, there's a guy by the name of david ryan harris he's a uh, he's been in john mayer's band for years and i was really big into john mayer when i was first learning guitar and there's just a video of of david ryan harris doing this medley so he put the concept in my head of like just just so, those kind of songs linked together, and then um, I'll never forget Chris and I started playing, and it was um, it was on those patios at BDs, and it started with that I want to be a millionaire so bad, yeah. and then it just went, it just like we just kept adding to it as we went, and you know, eight years later. We also would use it as like a time killer 
Like if we had like really long sets and we were just trying to get out of it, and there was one time we timed it and it was like twenty minutes. Oh god! So, um, and it's I always felt like it was an icebreaker. It's like okay, if we can't get you with anything else. This will grab at least grab your attention. I know you're going to know something because it's on the radio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all these songs that have just been in our, you know, subconscious or conscious for forever. And Fresh Prince, and we played it on Friday or on Monday. We played the show in in Richmond, and it's fun. You know, I, I used to that that whole bar scene, and I became really jaded, and and and. I think needed to take a step out of it because you know you can obviously get too far into things, and I think alcohol had gotten really um, unhealthy for me. It was a, it was a crutch in a lot of ways, and um, but temperance and a, a nice middle ground is where I, I feel like I found an appreciation for for all of it, and and the 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 rap stuff is just like <laughs> it's like the epitome to me of that that part of my life you know of the party and because you were such a young man too yeah I mean that's where I was yeah. you know that was where I was at I was you know I was mid-twenties single and good looking dude I gotta say you know good looking dude I always can grow great hair it's like you know yeah. I, I work I've got this ponytail and stuff and I work and I look at Nick was with a burr cut and two weeks later dude's wearing a ponytail <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah that that stuff though for a, for a guy that didn't know 50 cent or whoever else you may have been spinning yeah uh it got my attention <laughs> because even if it wasn't you see everybody else reacting right and so that that does make sense that, that you say that because if i can't get them with my originals i've got something for them and then there we go and that's just brilliant really well it's it creates that trust and interest and then they're like okay let's see what else this guy's got and I think that that's a never-ending thing. I, I, I've been the snobby songwriter, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to play your own songs and the stuff that you've created. But I think there's also room for just fun I and agree. not taking shit so serious. Because we all started, or all, all every musician's love for music came from someone else, someone else's songs, you know. And I think it's important to keep in touch with that side of music, especially if you're trying to do it for a living. Because, man, you know as well as I do, it's it's a hard it's a hard grind. And if you're living and dying just by the what you're creating, it's like it doesn't have to all be on our shoulders. You know, it's like if you can go up there and play a Tom Petty song that you love and do it, man. Yeah, do it. And me and you, I wish I could take your philosophy and your mind and put in some of my promoter buddies. <laughs> that, that says, because that, we have this argument, friendly argument, that I say, man, I got to do this show, but it's all got to be this stuff that's hot right now and this singer-songwriter stuff. Yeah. And, and so I can get deep in that, but I'm not. But, like, you've got a really good handle on that. But you've been through the grind. Yeah. And like you said, you, you may have been a snob for a minute saying, why ain't everybody listening to me? Yeah. And we all have that, uh, even as a promoter. Why ain't somebody at this show? Yeah. I've had some stuff bomb that I'm thinking, and I'm mad at people. Yeah. Then I got to step back and say, man, it ain't about me. <laughs> exactly. It, it, because when it's all about you, you're going to get mad a lot. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that, that is that's I just, crazy. I just want to be 
especially after 2020, I want to be the facilitator for the good time. You know, I know that everybody's coming to these shows for different reasons. Some are coming to listen. And I, I do think that you should respect if, if people are coming and they're wanting to listen, it's that kind of show, then listen, shut up, yeah. leave. Because I, I had to, I'm getting older, you know, and I, I, my, my, the shit I will take is just, it's getting less and less. I think it's being locked up for, you know, but I was like, it's not, I, I had a show a while back and it was a dinner show and, um, I didn't expect people not to talk cause dinner's going on, but there was like shushing going on. Like people were shit. I was like, okay. I was like, I hear y'all shushing. I hear it going on. I was like, I hear you talking. I was like, like I said, I'm not expecting you not to talk. I was like, it's not all about me. I said, but some people did come to, to listen. So if you're talking, we hear you. I don't know what else I said, but, <laughs> but, but you know, it's like, that's a whole nother soapbox of yeah. just people being aware of their surroundings. And, but even then it's like, those, those old women in the back, they just wanted to see each other. Um, and, and, yeah, they didn't know what they were getting into, really. They, they didn't, and and it's different for everybody, so it's just like, uh, you know, I'm just trying to let go of what I think things are supposed to be like and control what I can control. And um, But you're at such a level now, and this is, this is not just me bragging on it, this is me telling you the truth, where you have built a brand with your songwriting, with your uh, music, you know, your... Um, you know, music also that people know your stuff. There's so many bands that reach out to me that's got some good songs that people don't know. And so they're at the, the bars trying to play an original. It just goes that, flat. Yeah. But, you know, you guys just did a bar the other night. Everybody in there singing your stuff. Mm -hmm. So me looking at it like, hey, man, you're, you're really blessed that they know your stuff and they come to see your stuff because there's, there's thousands of people chasing that. You're right. And yeah. and you you've done it as good as anybody in this region. Thank you. And you you keep doing it. And it's like, how do you keep pushing it out? It's got to be because that's the thing I always say. Like, all right, Tim, you're doing some pretty good stuff, right? How do I continue? But because you get tired sometimes, you do. and you get lazy sometimes. Mm -hmm. How do I keep doing this? And somehow you keep finding a way to do it. Mm. And uh, kudos to you for that. Thank you. And, and we'll get to, uh, so I'm going to get to some of these lyrics because I listen and a lot on, on Apple. <laughs> I'm an Apple guy. But I will say this. If you're, well, let me hit this real quick because I think it's very important. So after Redmond's, you're doing this stuff. And then I feel like somebody just put a rocket ship up your guy's ass and it went, <laughs> he just went to the moon. His and then you. Van Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, uh, well, and then you sign with WME and you're, you're traveling. You know, we were the national agent. And, and we weren't with them. Oh, I thought you was with we them. We were with um, United Talent. United Talent. We yeah. were with a couple. We, we were with... Uh, and that gets... APA. APA. That's who it was. APA instead yeah. of WME. Well, it was... We had the same agent, but he switched. Yeah. Um, you know, we... Did you have anything else to add? I, I don't, well, no, I what I was just saying, when you when you go with CAA, United, Cumberland Music Collective, or whatever, I can name a Red Eleven, I can name a million. Yeah. When you're with one of them guys, yeah. all right, you've kind of you've kind of hit it, mm -hmm. and you were there, yeah. and you were traveling not just in Kentucky, you were traveling Chicago, 
Denver, California, California. Wow. I mean, just explain. I know me and you had talks about the road before I get into your music a little bit. Man, how was that stuff? It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. But but did the road eventually just kill you out? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, because I think what happened with us is we had that agent. We had management who all were great. They they did their job, and I, I do feel like they cared about us. Um, but it's a business. Yes. It's a business and they're trying to make money and there were, they'll, they'll push you until you, until you break or until you say no or until you fire them. You're their toy. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it sucked to kind of feel that way, but ultimately, I feel that way you know it was just like there were so many times where I was like man I, I gotta chill out like I was not good mentally um, just wasn't getting enough home home life and, and being around people that I loved um, and so uh, yeah I mean just balance finding that balance was, was hard uh, because you know the the people that are making those decisions are not on the road. Yeah. So, uh, but being you know it, this was what would hurt me, and I've had a few offers, and, and it's it's been family. Even though at that time you didn't have kids, you're a very family oriented mm-hmm. person. And being on a run for two months and not being back here eating that good old fried food and, <laughs> yeah. and being with Mama, being with Papa, being with, you lose that time. Yeah. That in Eastern Kentucky, I don't care what anybody says, is more important to us. Yeah. Than, than most places. Yes. Um, and and so I, I always just thought the road ain't as glorious as everybody makes it out to be. Well, it just depends on when you go. You know? That's what I, it's like. <laughs> I think that's the conundrum that most musicians find themselves in. It's like you're never where you want to be. You always want to. Maybe that's just humans, you know, in general. Like we're never where we want to be. It's like if I'm on the road, I want to be home. If I'm at home, I want to be on the road. You're correct. You know, so, uh, and when you're starting out, Waylon and I were talking about this, it's such an infinite space that you're like, and me, I also felt like I was being, like I was letting people down if I said no, or I was being ungrateful because I was like, I'm getting this opportunity to do what I love, to go to all these places. All I got to do is show up. People are driving me to the shows, you know, I'm not even having to drive. And, um, but, you know, every man has his breaking point. Yeah, yeah, what's the old saying? You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. That holds up a lot there. It does. And um but I'm trying to I want that though. I want that. Yeah. I want to be able to do everything I want to do and have balance and be happy and not have to sell my soul to do it, you know? So um so all those experiences like, man, it's invaluable. Like School of hard knocks. It ain't. It was. It, it was some hard knocks. It wasn't. You know, I ain't had a hard life. Just had a few hard times. Right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, I, but I got a couple more, and then we got something really fun at the end. I promise. Right. Um, but I want to really dig into Nicholas Jamerson first as a songwriter, <clears throat> musician. Uh, I love this new album. I guess this album come out in COVID, the Wild Frontier. Yeah. 
And, and that, that, that's really a story amongst itself. Was you hesitant or did you have no hesitance or whatsoever to bring this thing out? Man, I just felt like when I was in the process, I felt like 2020 was going to be a big year for humanity. I did. I thought, but I thought in a positive way. I felt like everybody kind of did. Sure. And then everything happened. I was like, no, I'm wrong with it. Like, <laughs> this is what, this is what it was for. Um, I definitely, it was like, you know, back to the, uh, probably the first question you asked about last year, it was, it was very humbling because I, I thought, I'm going to put this record out. I mean, I spent four years like putting this thing together. Ooh. Um, from the songs to the recording to everything and I thought put this record out and we're going to go tour it and really the only expectation was just growth was just it's going to we're going to get a bump we're going to we're going to bump up in our quality of shows um, that's just what I was kind of hoping for at least professionally I just want I just wanted to play better shows and have more opportunities. At this point, that's just kind of where I'm at with with music. Um, I did think Grammy. Like, I'll, I'll say that. Like, that's how I felt about it because of what I put into it. Um, but all those things are based off of things I, that are outside of my control and that's okay, and I have a, a different perspective because of all that. But, um, yeah, I, 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 the record itself was was basically my journey back to myself, and I was like, well, obviously I didn't have that perspective in April because that's that's a month in to, yeah. but on this side of things it's like and this was a year of self-discovery I feel like for so many people of just finding themselves I know not everybody's had that kind of experience but I felt like it was in line with with what was happening you know and so uh, like I said you, you, you think you know how things are going to go and I felt like I had done everything I could do to to prepare and God, universe, whatever, you know, was like, nope. But but with you know, you say that on kind of a downer term, but but I'll tell you this. Yeah, I don't mean to. But no, but I'll tell you this, that album is amazing. And and Wayland's shaking his head. You you're sitting here with two that's not where you know, and if you let any random guy or female, whoever, or any human, hear this album, one of those songs or two of those songs are going to catch them. And it may be different ones, but like that's what's great about what you do. And so I've got a couple of songs because to me that album is just super amazing. And um, man, I love Golden Shores off that album. And it's kind of spiritual to me. There's, there's a few of those on there that's kind of spiritual to me. And I feel like... Uh, and I don't know, I'm just speaking out of listening to the album that you was finding some spiritual stuff during this time. Is that fair to say? For sure. 
Yeah. So I just want to read you my favorite line off Golden Shores or, you know, a couple sentences and just maybe get your, you know, you know, tell the audience what, what was going through your mind when you wrote this. So it's a canyon going farther and farther, running away from the surface to the core where your fear becomes weaker and weaker. And it's just the waters. It's just the water in Golden Shores. Come on, man, that is stupid deep mm. and cool. Though. I mean, I kind of feel it. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, is there like, and I know you get these questions a lot about your songwriting. Naturally, you should. You're a songwriter and you're a great one. Um, is there just something you want to elaborate about that song or, or those that verse? Or Good God, man, it's just great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, this record... I was also trying to say something without saying it yeah. spiritually because um, I've been so jaded by church and spirit and those kind of terms and I, I just didn't want to trigger anybody because through through that I, I was like I want to say it's I felt like the eagles were the kings of, of like hidden I'm, I'm, I'm referencing like Hotel California. It's like they're talking about something else, but they're using, you know, imagery. And so that song, I was in Gatlinburg on Easter Sunday by myself. I'd played Old Smokies the night before, and I was just, I was just feeling it, man. And I, I went up in the mountains and, uh, just kept driving and then I, what I love about Gatlinburg is like the water and all those all the streams and creeks and when I was a kid we'd go there as a family and we'd get down in the water and it just man at that moment in my life I was like I just want to do better I just want to be better I don't know what that looks like but um, and have faith that things are going to be okay and that that chorus is ultimately, I think, in a general sense, like about life. Like, the farther we go, the deeper we get. And I was also trying to like create like positive affirmation of like, the farther I go, the more familiarity I'm going to have with this life thing, and I'm going to pay attention as I as I go, and I'm going to learn. When, when something comes something old comes up that maybe used to make me mad maybe I won't react the same way or maybe just just want to pay attention yeah. you know and um, and when you're paying attention and you, you're not reacting I feel like it's peace you know and that's what the water and golden shores is like you know that day up in the Smoky Mountains it was it was that stream literally it was like man here I am you know present in the moment but um, yeah just like I imagine just like also like our heart yeah like our heart and just like just this inner the inner um, you know I don't even know just the, the the inner soul the soul Let's say that the heart, the heart chamber. That's that's 
Um, I'm a big yoga yeah. meditation guy, and, and um, but you know you can feel it. Like listen to that song, you can feel its importance and the spiritual side of, of anything on that album. That one hits me pretty deep. Mm. And to a credit to you on, on a different note, I have heard three different regional artists cover that. <laughs> and, and Jordan King really covers it well. Yeah, he does. Um, he's done it a couple shows I've seen him at. So when you get regional people covering your stuff, you've done something. Yeah, it, it means a lot. And and when things like that happen, it's like, okay. It, it's like it's just like confirmation that I did what I was supposed to do. And and. It's like little victories, Chris yeah. Knight, man. You know, it's like it's little victories like that. That that's why I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, it's like it's nice to be well known, have money in your pocket, um, be popular, but all those things are so subjective to like things that are out of my control. You know, and, and while I want all those things, I also just want to inspire. And whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Well, you inspire me. Thank you. And yeah, and you always I don't have it all figured out. I don't think anybody does. I think the reason for our brief existence is to learn how to really love. It's a canyon going farther and farther, running away from the service to the core. Where your fear becomes weaker and weaker, and it's just the water. I, 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 I want to just move on because um, I've got a couple of them here. And sure. I, I just I just want to hear your take on. Yeah. Them. So uh, you know when I called you the last time, I said Linda James is a good damn woman, and I was like, "How'd that sound?" And she was like, "It's pretty good, Bobby." <laughs> <laughs> so is so uh, before I before I hit this verse, it's so. Touching is Linda James a real person? Yeah, yeah, she is. She um, pillar of our community, spiritual community, the the church community around here. But uh, Linda, so her son Alan was my uh, middle school football coach, and Linda and her husband Freddie they um, they used to. I don't know if they ran Channel Three, like local access, but they would they would record all the football and basketball Prestonsburg football and basketball games, so it would be shown on local access. And um, you know, small town, everybody kind of interweaving with each other. And um, I wrote this a few days after she passed. She had she had been sick, and that family just meant means so much to me in my life and uh, my family my family's family you know our families are family um and you know i think that uh yeah she was a real person so i don't yeah. know if you, i don't want to go down yeah, deep that, and if you got something you got to no, ask no but, i mean i was just i was just wanting to read a verse yeah because, because it all comes back to this one um love as much as you can Give your gratitude at night. Be thankful for each and every day that you get to see the sunrise. Yeah. So it sounds really simple when you hear me say it until you hear you sing it, and then you start thinking, "Hey, man, this is this is the truth." Like if I live by this creed, yeah. we're all better. Yeah. Um, so so I know that you know some people be, like, "Oh man, we could always write." No, not everybody can write that. 
that come from the heart and that come from her touching you in some way. I'm guessing. By yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, she did. She. I think that it's easy to preach. Yeah. And it's easy, but it's it's hard to live by. It. And I, I I felt like she lived what she preached in the sense of like. She's a very spiritual woman and very like strong, and I felt like what she believed in. Um, but I don't feel like she held grudges. You know, it's like she she wasn't mad at you for not being at church, or she wasn't going to like condemn you for not being at church, or she know she may know that you're a human and you screw up, but it's not keeping her from loving loving you. you. And that's to me, that's that's. Jesus's love. That's like that. That's what that is. Like Christ's love is unconditional, and so I'll tell you what. Inspired. I, I went to the funeral, and I'm like, "What am I going to say to these guys? What am I going to say to her sons? They're older than me, but you know, what do you say to people that just lost their the, the matriarch? That's right, matriarch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of their of their family, their unit." I walk in, and man, it was just like this rush of peace. Everybody was just like... It was a celebration. It was. It was a celebration. It was like hearts were so... It wasn't mourning. It wasn't at all. I hadn't either. I hadn't either. And and I was like, wow. Okay. They they are... They, they get it. Yeah. And I went home and wrote it. It just came out, and it, it's like... I almost didn't put it on the record because I felt like I I think what happens with me in songs sometimes I don't want to make things a cliche yeah you know um people's lives you know turned into something else this is real stuff you know people lost they lost her you know or they, they the, she she died you know so yeah. it's like People handle that stuff in different ways, and I, I want to respect everybody because it's. I did it as a you know it was I was inspired and also my love for them, but I'm also a songwriter. You know, I'm a songwriter. That everybody <laughs> yeah. listens to my you know I, people are listening to this stuff, so it's a personal thing to share. And like you said, it's it is like a creed, and and it was meant to be like a prayer without being a prayer yeah. um, and like I said I, I did have this thought of like it being too sentimental because that there's a lot of that in this record but I was like I just ultimately I just want the entire spectrum of emotions that I went through and um, you know and I'll elaborate on that but because me listening to that song you I think and I ain't got this wrote down but some people find it in their churches some people find it in their friends some find it in a long lost lover and kind of just reiterating on what you said, like divorce, death, bad trauma in your life, you will always revert to something. Mm-hmm. And th- those those hit home to me because I've reverted to something before, whether it was too much alcohol, whether it was religion, whether it was whatever. You, bad situations put you somewhere. Mm-hmm. And and um, just very clever, Nicholas, with that. Even, even though as a real, and I could tell Waylon sitting over here, I felt like you was going to tear up because you knew the lady too, right? I have. I've listened to the song. Yeah. Driving and just cried. Yeah. Because I didn't know. I played at the funeral. Yeah. And so um, I'm glad you could honor her from it seems like. And uh, and I think you did. Like, if you're in California, you hear that song. 
people's going to say, I wonder if this lady was real because that's an awesome song. Yeah. The, the first line, like, my mom hates it because like, Linda James was a good damn woman, yeah. which is so kind of, I, I don't, she wasn't a user of those words, but I was just imagining two old timers talking about her and being like, man, that Linda James was a good damn woman. Amen. Yeah. You know? Amen. But you don't really get that context in the thing. I've been saying blessed, you know, when I when I think about it, but because I was like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> well, it actually makes sense to me. I love the kickoff of that. Yeah, right. Because I feel like I'm at a bar talking to my buddy, you know, we're yeah. like, that Waylon Nelson's a good damn felt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I give Waylon a hard time on this show, and I'm, you know, but it's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, after the Sunday bus split, you know, and I was just waiting on Nicholas. What, what's he going to do? And I remember I was so excited to see you come out with that album. And I could have picked a million songs off that album. And I, there's just one that I really love, me personally. And I guess this is my show and I can spill it out if I want to, right? But I love Let It Go for a while. And me speaking freely and and because and, 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 it was after the breakup. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you were in a transition stage at this point, maybe just in life in general. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can kind of feel that with yeah. this song. And um, and then, you know, the words is like, I'm finding myself now for the very first time. Don't have no friends here to lend me their smiles. Sometimes I feel crazy. Sometimes I feel wild. But I just need to stay here and let it go for a while. I, I just feel a lot of transition and, and especially that song. Uh, and I just wanted to, to see if you wanted to elaborate a little bit. Was like, am I off base at all? Or Oh, no, you nailed it. You know, that was uh, that was right after I, well, I, Sunny Best, you know, we, we took a break before we took a break. You know, being in 2015, we were, we were on the ascend and we, we made that, uh, we cut that live record in Louisville and then I was done. I was done. And, um, so we, we, we stopped for, for the, the time being. And then I broke up with my girlfriend at the time I'd been with for four years and I left Lexington. Like I left in a, uh, sprinter van, not knowing where I was going. I remember sleeping in a Walmart parking lot and I went over into Menifee County uh, and then I ended up home. I'm the eldest of a set of Irish twins 
Thanksgiving and I was driving from Prestonsburg to Whitesburg on 23 and I'll never forget coming over the mountains and being like dummy <laughs> this is where you're supposed to be and so I found a, a, a house actually in the neighborhood I live in now but it's at the top of the hill and um, yeah I wrote that song um, just feeling helpless, feeling like I was starting over, just completely, just broken apart, you know. And all these, all these different things that I had identified through were gone. So there was all this space, and I was like, I was trying with these songs. It's like you sing them so much. It's like it's, they're. It's like you're trying to. Not always, but sometimes it's like I'm trying to speak things into existence. You know, I'm trying to let things go, even if I don't feel that way in the moment. And uh, yeah, I, that's that's where I was at. I felt like I I was completely bare, and um, it was good. It was it was um, obviously transformative, and just gave me a fresh perspective and that was that song i feel like was the heart and soul of that record i love that song and, and i feel like it gets and, and i feel like it gets kind of like overshadowed because you put some on there that was on like i think hyman was even on there oh, yeah. and uh, kitchen is a huge one for you yeah. but that song's always kind of hit me because i felt not that i was going through that but i kind of like felt how you were feeling sometimes mm. i was like i bet this is how nicholas is feeling yeah. Um, which is totally different when you're listening to songwriting. I just felt you through that song. Good. It's like, <laughs> that's what you hope for. You know, that that's kind of where I'm at is too. It's like, if I feel this way, hopefully it'll, it'll help someone else feel this way. I think like, I call it sad boy country. <laughs> you know, it's like just these, these like really sad songs. And I think it's so powerful because it allows people to feel feel sad yeah. like allow themselves to feel it i think that m most times we don't allow ourselves to feel what we actually feel so it like it builds up in us instead of letting it just go yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah no pun intended but <laughs> um 
Yeah, I remember when that came out. I always wanted to hear that song, and my buddies was always jamming to Riverbank. Mm. And it's all I love Riverbank is it's a cool, it's just really cool, and it's fun, you know, and it tells a good story too. But I was like, man, this one's pretty. This one's pretty deep, you know. And, yeah. and so that that captured me. And, and so I want to segue into this just because we mentioned, you just mentioned it right then about driving over here, seeing these mountains. You was coming back home. Earlier in this podcast, you mentioned, I want to go home. So I, I would be slighting the fans if I didn't just bring up Sunday Best, Bring Up the Sun, yeah. the one that everybody sings every word to. Uh, such a successful song um, on CMT mm-hmm. and all that. And, but but my part that captures me, the song's really good, and you go through it, and then it sounds like maybe there's just like a little bit of acoustic finger picking or something in the background, and it's it's real quiet, and it's just your vocals, and then you hit that, it's you know it's kind of like kind of acapella, there's something playing in the background, but it's like I was born here in Kentucky, that's where my soul will rest in peace. I've been all around this world, there's no place I'd rather be. And then there's a guitar and a steel playing real softly, mm-hmm. and then you kind of open it up again. Man, that's so clever uh, with with that song and and how you stopped and did that really because if you're from Eastern Kentucky like us, that that gives me chills every time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had to get a Sunday Best song in here, but yeah, I mean, just and and I know you, you said a few things about it. That's just how you were feeling at that point. Yeah, man. I mean, and I still feel that way. Yeah. Um, home. Home is oh, since then, you know, since writing it, it's like home is a, is is within us, is what I think. I think it's um, it's not a place in time. I mean, I think that's why I was so sad because things had changed. But um, that's what I'm trying to do now. Is like I want to go home. I want I want to I want to be at peace. And who don't want that? Amen, please. <laughs> so so um, I'll hit you this. A couple of questions before we get to the fun part. Um, if you were to, if you were on an airplane tomorrow and you're sitting beside a complete stranger, and um, the, you know you're talking, and they say, um, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" and you say, "Well, I'm a musician. I play music. I sing." and they say, "Well, what kind of music do you play?" <laughs> How do you always answer that question? Uh, well. On on um, Spotify, my my profile says uh, Nicholas Jamerson plays the kind of music you like. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean country folk, Americana. They throw it all in yeah, there. Yeah, you know, I, Americana. That is such a broad term. Gee, I reckon, and I don't mind it. Because I feel like it leaves room for everything, but I, you know, I'll say country, rock, folk, grass, soul, all my influences. Yeah, you know. But because if you're looking at it to put it in a box, you can't. Um, There's a lot of different stuff going on in there. Yeah, and it's all good stuff. I just thought that was a fun question, and I'll segue to this. This is the one I've been – so um, I've always stayed away from talking to you or Christopher, either one, out of respect, because uh, I've had you at a few shows about asking about the Sunday Best Breakup, but I want to tell my story about it if, just for a minute before we get to the fun part. I was booking you all for Manchester Music Fest early in 17 – 2017 and 2018 was a show, and I think uh, first weekend of September at that time. And it started out with an agent – we we negotiated. We had a contract. 
then I, I wasn't hearing anything back. And, you know, then they said, well, something weird's happened. That, you know, they're representing themselves. Here's their number. Here's, Here's something the, weird. They're, they fired us. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, at first it's like, they're not talking to us. Yeah. Uh, and then, and so then you guys were doing your own thing. And then it was, you know, I don't know how many months before the show. And then I think Christopher may have been the one hit me up and he said, Bub, um, you know, I hate to tell you this next week, we're going to do a press release and we're going to split up press release and we're going to split up. And I was like, Holy shit. So, so then I, um, I think I ended up getting the bottle rockets. If you're familiar to replace Sunday best at that one, I always love the old bottle rockets mm-hmm. and they just retired here recently. But, um, um, man, you know, without getting crazy detail you don't have to say anything you don't want. And, um, you know, was, was that cause, cause now you're back together and I'll tell the crowd that and you know that, but, um, you know, how'd that kind of go down? Well, I think that it was never one thing. I think that was what a lot of people thought was that it was some, they just wanted the juicy details. Yeah. It's like kind of what you're asking me now. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, give me something juicy. You know, like I've said, right. you know, about just the lifestyle. Yeah. You know, it, you know, it was a lot of things. Um, it was never anything really personal with, with me and Chris, you know, you spend that much time with somebody, there's things come up, but I think for me, any more than anything was like my whole identity seemed to be revolved around Sunday best. And I had a problem with that. I had a problem with, with that being my only expression of, of life. Like that's what I was known for. And I couldn't, I felt like it was controlling me instead of me controlling it, and just needed a break. Man, that, that's far enough. You know, just yeah. needed a break and uh, some time to just absorb what had ha- what's happened in my life because so much, so much happened to us so quick that it was just like we would do one thing. We played the Grand Ole Opry. I don't even know how many times. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's that. It's not an absurd amount, but it's like once you do that as a small town kid who never even dreamt of doing that, it's like, what do you do after that? Like, what do you do? And I just was going through a lot. And, uh, you know, I'll say that, you know, that it was it was me. It was me. You know, I don't think Chris ever wanted to. I would say that to him sitting here, you know. Um, I just wasn't there. My heart wasn't in it, and I needed, I just needed to do other things. And it felt like I had to create that boundary because because it was just such a, a machine that was like unstoppable. It was just going. We were getting stuff all the time, and. I was like, man, I really, you know, that was our stuff with management and it was a burnout. I mean, I get it. It was a burnout. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, I thought about when y'all split just for some comic relief. I was going to just say, look, y'all split. We're going to do a fundraiser and we're going to have one on one basketball tournament. If I ever get Chris on this podcast, I may lie and say, Nicholas said he could still take you one on one. (laughs) I might be able to take him one on one, but. He'd be a, if I was picking a team, I'd probably pick him instead of me. <laughs> that makes sense. So, so before we get to this other stuff, you know, um, let's talk about 
Man, what's the future hold for Nicholas Jamerson, the solo artist, the songwriter, for you know Nicholas Jamerson and the Morning Jays, which you have also, and Sunday Best? Um, you know, what do you see in the future, Nick? Is this something that you're just waiting to see what happens and taking it day by day, or is it something that you got big plans for? I mean, I want to play the big stages. Yeah, I do. Um, but I also want to play the little ones. I I want to use music to create I want to create new industry we're, we're in the middle of it in, in eastern Kentucky as music being a legitimate industry for sustainable living for our people and music brings people together like nothing else will and um, from a broad sense yeah. that's what I want to do um but I want to play. I, I'm I'm always going to write songs. I'm I'm about to. I've been diving into home recording, and uh, I also upgraded my my gear. Just got me a nice big iMac, and Ooh. I I just I don't want. I, I want to be able to just pump them out. I got so many songs that need to be recorded, and um. You know, concrete plans with any of that stuff? No, I feel like I'm so blessed, and I've already made it, man. Yeah. I really am, and I just want to create positive change through those platforms, um, whatever that looks like. So, um, Sunny Bass is a huge platform, and that was a big catalyst for me to for us to, to do this because we can just make moves we can get people together we can um, just I feel like create change and so and you know you're right I had a I have a friend named Waylon Nelson and I'll never forget this about two months ago he said the greatest form of art is when you can transfer someone else's emotions into you mm-hmm. or something similar to that yeah. <laughs> and, and I think art, you're one of the best. It's purest forms of transfer of emotion. Mm. Yeah, or he's, he enunciates better than I do. I quote Waylon better. Yeah, but, but like I feel like your stuff, all of it, the Sunday best stuff, even the it transfers emotions as good as anybody that does it, and that's the people making huge money. It, it's Thank just, um, and I'm just blessed to be able to have a guy like you in this state. That and you, you know, you're kind of getting. Uh, I ain't saying you're old by no means, but you're kind of like a you're kind of like senior citizen yeah. of music. No, man. I know, I know. Yeah. All these youngins coming up, I'm just like, damn. <laughs> There's these kids coming to these shows. They're like, I've been listening to you since I was 11. <laughs> He's like, you oh, like asshole. <laughs> how how are you now? <laughs> oh, get, let's get this man. So we're gonna do a little. Uh, I love Robert Earl Keen. And his podcast is called the Americana Podcast, and we we steal a few things off of him. I don't think he can sue me because I don't have anything, and I don't think he needs my money. And he's a, he's a good dude, so we're going to do a little round that it's going to be a, um, either or. So I'm going to ask you a question of two things, and you're just going to pick one, okay? okay. Um, <clears throat> pig in the poke or the brick house? Brick house. Martin Gibson or Taylor? Gibson. Mm. Central Kentucky or Eastern Kentucky? <laughs> Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> Bubble yum or bubblicious? Mm, what's the difference? Bubblicious. I, I don't know. Bubblicious. I just thought it was a good cool okay, question. Yeah. <laughs> Painting murals on buildings 
are painting on canvas. Buildings. See, I did my... Hire me. <laughs> I did my research. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Bourbon or moonshine? Mm, uh, probably more consistently bourbon. Festival gig or a theater gig? Festival. A listening room or a bar room? <sighs> Depends on the day. <laughs> I'll take that. UK football or UK basketball? Oh, dang. Football. The Simpsons or King of the Hill? King of the Hill. LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Oh! <laughs> dang. LeBron. Floor monitors or ear monitors? Floor. Studio recording or a live show? Studio. Wow. The Rock or Stone Cold Steve oh Austin? Oh, my God. Oh. That's the toughest one. <laughs> Stone Cold. Oh, hell no. <laughs> 15 cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. If you were elected governor of Kentucky today, what would be the first major thing you would implement in this state? Legalize marijuana. Man, some reason I knew that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. You are an absolute jewel for Eastern Kentucky. You're an absolute great songwriter and you're a great human being. Thank you. And thanks so much for being on this podcast because um, I enjoy your friendship. I enjoy your showmanship. I enjoy your philosophy. Mm. And can't thank you enough. And uh, we're going to be, you know, I, I've got you a few shows this year, thank God. Yeah. So I'm going to be seeing you around, see you in a couple weeks. Um, it's always fun, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, man. Thank you for all you do for, for all of us. You do a lot. All right, man. So with that being said, that is Real Kentucky Music with Tim Parks featuring Mr. Nicholas Jamerson. We'll see you next time around. Well, I want to go Yeah. Mm-hmm.